This is Casey Kenny, and you're listening to Native MMA Radio. the 52nd episode of the Native MMA Radio. Today is our special New Year's Eve episode. That's right, folks. New Year's Eve is today. What does that mean? That means the PFL playoffs are finally having their finals today. We will know the million-dollar finals winners before midnight, before the new year has started. There will be six new millionaires in the Professional Fighters League. As always, me and Wally Wall are here to break down those great events. Also, we're going to recap UFC Busan. That's Fight Night 165. It was a main event between the Korean Zombie versus Frankie Edgar, which showed us that Father Time has not been very good to Mr. Frankie Edgar. I'm not saying that he needs to hang it up, but I definitely agree with his initial decision to go to Bantamweight. I do think that that is his future, and I think that's a better quality of opponents for him size-wise, because he's always been a really short guy, you know what I mean? He's always fought the bigger, taller opponents. But I think in Bantamweight you really see Frankie going against somebody his own size, which is something I really want to see. Obviously, with this PFL playoffs coming on, one person that I'm going to highlight and I'll probably talk a lot about today uh, Miss Kayla Harrison. How do you not talk about somebody who is as decorated as she is? She's completely undefeated, 6-0. and She's a two-time Olympic gold medal judokuist. So, I mean, she's got that in her back pocket always. You look at these girls who have came in with this great judo background. I mean, Ronda Rousey was a bronze medalist in judo. Now, Kayla Harrison is the best woman we've ever seen crossover. Eventually, I feel like she's going to cut to 45. I know when I asked her about making the cut to 45 during her uh, press conference that she had stated that she doesn't really like the idea of cutting weight and she thinks it sets a bad example for the children. But I think if you could eventually get Kayla Harrison to 145 pounds and maybe after next season, if she wants to make that jump to the UFC, I really feel like eventually you have a matchup with Amanda Nunes right there. I believe there's a lot of fighters from PFL that can make the jump to the UFC right now. Yes. I really feel that. Well, too, if you look, you got people. Larissa Pachenko was in the PFL, or sorry, was in the UFC at like 19 years old. That is the person that Kayla is facing. Larissa Pachenko is 13 and 3. She beat Sarah Kaufman, a former UFC contender. I mean, if you look at the PFL, there's tons of former UFC talent. I mean, yeah. uh, Brendan Lochnan was just on the Contender Series. Uh, Ray Cooper uh, is, should be going to the UFC, I believe, here soon. He's a great, phenomenal athlete. The guy he is facing in the finals, David Bulldog Mashad, has been in the UFC. Chris Curtis has been in the contender series. So a lot of these big name guys. And then we haven't even started talking about, you know, Lance Palmer, Nathan Schultz, guys who I really think could make a fucking statement in the UFC. Emiliano Swarty, who is a light heavyweight PFL 
I think is honestly the front runner to win this entire tournament. He's been the number one seed all season long. He went and knocked guys out from the beginning of the season all the way through the playoffs. I really think Emmanuel Swarty could make a jump to the UFC and be very, very dominant. Yeah, and Jared uh, Rochelle, to, or, uh, him too, had a run in the UFC, if I'm not wrong. The UFC, and so is uh, Jordan Johnson, went 4-0 and in the UFC before he left and decided to go to PFL. Yeah, and here, here's a question I have, uh, I want to ask you, because PFL is very, you know, it, it's on uh, the UFC app, you know? Uh, no, it, watch it is on ESPN. Yeah, but it's not related to the UFC because there's no. something about no, there's something about that that I read. No, I there think. is no relation to the UFC. PFL and the UFC are completely separate. The only thing that really connects them is having the same ESPN deal. No, okay, okay. So my bad. So I'm wrong. Okay, okay. But I mean, like you said, there's phenomenal talent in the PFL, and we'll get into that later when we start talking about the finals. Yeah. Uh, like I said, Nathan Schultz, I think could go. I think honestly. If you look at the big scheme of things, and I'm a big Martin Smash Brown fan at tight end NFC. He's their champion, or their former champion, sorry. I think Nathan Schultz is probably the best lightweight not inside Bellator or the UFC at this point in time. Hands down. And there's no argument from anybody. He's literally won the million dollars last time, and he's about to come back and get a second chance at becoming a back-to-back millionaire for PFL yet again. I mean... You can't really show me any other resume like that in the lightweight division who's not in the UFC or Bellator. It's just not out there. No, uh, I don't know. There's For me, there's a guy that I really want to see in the UFC. It's Michael Chandler. But uh, I think that he moved up to welterweight, if I'm not wrong. This uh, like card. I'd like to see Chandler, but I, I just... Nathan is so much younger than Chandler. And yeah. He's really on the rise where Chandler is at the mm. end of his career. You know what I'm saying? He's at the tail end. Yeah, he still has some fights yeah. in him. He still has some but fights in him. But I'm afraid it happened. It, 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 the same story that Ben Askren you know, had too little, to too repeat late. itself. Yeah. I'm afraid about, about that. I would have yeah, loved to have gotten Ben Askren five years ago. Oh, yeah. For sure. Imagine all the sound bites we'd have now. If Ben Askren was here like five years ago, it would be amazing. But right now... Listen, the, the the sport, the combat sport, the MMA sports is uh, is ruthless, and you know if you, you need to be there the right time and the right place, you know. And if you're not there, like uh, that's it, it. It's funny that you say that because one of the guys who's in this PFL finals, I feel like, is really in that same situation. He's at the right time and the right place, and that's David Bulldog Mashad, somebody we've had on this podcast. Yeah. I'm a big fan of him. I've always been a big fan of him. I really, obviously, if you look at our fucking name, I follow all the native fighters. I've always enjoyed watching other people who come from similar backgrounds as I've grown up in to see what, you know, they've become in the UFC. And David Mashad is always some guy I've had my eye on. And it's every time he goes to the mountain, he gets knocked out or something happens. But then I really feel like this is his time. He had two beautiful uh, fights in the playoffs, and now he's going to the finals against Ray Cooper. I don't think that one's going to see a decision. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Sometimes uh, – and that's the good thing about the MMA sports right now because uh, if you go back a couple of, we- a couple of years ago – 
Like, if you don't make it to the UFC, you don't make any money. Yeah, there's really no, there's nobody out there. But even at that point in time, Bellator was still kind of like a smaller thing. But nowadays, you see a lot of these Bellator cards, and they're almost just as big as the UFC. They're not as big. They're definitely not as big. But they're getting there. And then you've got people like PFL, realistically, Kayla Harrison, you know, people like that, Nathan Schultz, they've got to be making $1.2, $1.3 million a year. They've got to be. Yeah. Five times amount of sponsors they can get, they gotta be making one point two, one point three million if they win the entire thing. Yeah, they make more. They make much money than maybe they would have made in the UFC right now. How many top five, let's say featherweights, are making a million dollars in one year? I'll tell right you now. one. Uh, right now at featherweight, there's only two guys. If, and jo- no, Jose Aldo moved down to bantamweight, yeah. so he's not in the list. So there's o- only Holloway, I would say. Only Holloway. Yeah. It, or Sega will make maybe. Yeah. Or Sega maybe. Lance Palmer won a million dollars last year, and he might win yeah. another million dollars this year. Which is way better than, you know, struggling in the UFC. Or Bellator. Yeah. That's why when you look at some of these, there's a million dollar tournament in Bellator, too. Like. You gotta throw your name in this hat, even if you're in a smaller weight class. If you gotta cut weight to get down there, I mean, the money wise, financially, I mean, as, as we just talked about, there's not a whole lot of big paydays in this. And if you can get one, fucking take it. Strike with the iron is hot. As always, though, we got guests on this episode. I had a young man, Robbie Bellamere, hit me up and say, "You know what, Randall? I've got something to say. Could you give me a minute?" So, of course. Whenever anyone hits me up like that, I, of course, I try to oblige them as much as possible because I feel like this show is literally just for that. It's for fighters to get their voices out there to the people that don't hear them, you know? And then also, we got uh, Casey Kinney, UFC's Casey Kinney, had a great performance against Manny Bermudez last time out. Now he's got another fight uh, in New Mexico in February. I believe it's like the 13th or some shit like that. I don't have the date right in front of me. But we got him to come and talk about that fight. So excited about that. Last time we had Casey on, it was right before his last fight. So uh, we got him on again to break this news about his new fight. So super excited about that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, as always, me and here, Wally Wall, just sitting here chilling. It's the New Year's Eve episode of MMA, or <laughs> Native MMA Radio. <laughs> episode 51. Super excited to have you guys here. But we're going to take a quick break have a quick station identification, and then we'll be back to recap UFC Busan, like I said, which was main evented by Frankie Edgar versus a Korean zombie. So uh, stay right there, knuckleheads, and we'll be right with you. So this is Cass Bell, and you're listening to Native MMA Radio. All right, guys, welcome back. As always, I got my main man, Wally Wall, here, and we're going to be recapping ufc 165 that was in busan south korea i probably just butchered that name but fuck it (laughs) to start off the helani alating defeated ryan benoit and like we said he didn't have the crystal crippler crossface that night so he didn't get the decision victory and I feel like Walid is the one who points this out all the time. If there's not a finish in the first fight, the the fight card's usually boring. Yeah. And I want to point out that this one wasn't that 
in i mean it, it, there was it had its times where it's like all right this is getting kind of slow the the expectations were, were kind kind of low the expectations were very low yeah in my opinion but it, it really it, it showed out and i thought they had some pretty good fights amanda uh lemus in the very first round had a very beautiful submission three minutes and 53 seconds into that to move yeah. her to seven one and one, so I mean, I really think Amanda Linus in that strawweight division needs to step up a competition. I would like to see her against somebody, maybe fifteen through twenty range, maybe give her like an Amanda Cooper. I don't know where she sits right now in the rankings, but I feel like that is a, a matchup. Or what about uh, Mackenzie Dern? Yeah, for sure, Mackenzie Dern, who lost her last fight, she needs yes. you know to bounce back. This fight makes sense. I agree with you. Yeah, and they're good both idea. still young in their career. You know, Amanda Linus has only yeah. had nine fights. She's seven, one, and one. You know, and I, I really feel like with a step up in competition, we could really see where her talent level is. And I think that's important, especially when you look at these women's and the women's strawweight division. There's a lot of girls at the top who are very, very good. Yeah, the the level, you know, is kind of uh, how can I say that. The, the kind of the same like i i know it's not that number two can beat number one it's either it's even number six can be number one because well, uh, maybe not number one but yeah maybe not i think i think Whaley is pretty good but i i definitely feel like there is a situation where if you put a 15 in there with maybe like a four i mm. think the 15 has a good shot and i'm not looking at the straw weight record rankings right in front of me but it's really kind of anarchy, it. like uh, there's really no, the, the ranking, really yeah, the ra because the ranking change, change every time, because anytime one of the girls, like, wins by a finish, she move up the, directly, so it's kind of, you know, it's, it's random. the same thing I think is going to happen with Irene Aldana, I think that she, I, I'm, I haven't looked at the rankings recently, but I think that she got bumped up pretty high in that bantamweight after knocking out Caitlin Bayer. But uh, it's a it's an interesting situation. I feel like with like two good victories in this in any really women's weight class, you could garnish a title shot pretty easily. Yeah. In the bantamweight division, Ronnie Barcelos had a unanimous decision victory over Saeed Nurmagomedov. Now, Saeed Nurmagomedov is now what is he like one and two in the UFC? I believe pretty much ever since he stepped to the big stage, he hasn't been able to produce like his cousin has his cousin being Khabib Nurmagomedov, the UFC yeah. lightweight champion of the world. Uh, Ronnie Barcelos. um, I really feel like the pressure that he was able to put on the feet with Saeed was the difference. I don't think Saeed expected him to be as good as he was striking. And I think that's where Saeed had his downfall. He expected, Ronnie to just want to go in there and grapple, but why the fuck would you grapple with an Nurmagomedov? Yeah, I agree with you. I believe also that there's only one uh, Nurmagomedov that uh, will will stay uh, undefeated. Maybe like uh, those cousins. I know that they are good fighters and uh, some sort, but we all know that with Ali Abdelaziz being the agent of uh, you know of uh, Habib. You know, he, he's just trying to bring, you know, his kind of his family in the UFC and stuff. And this is normal. Like, Connor did it with Artem Lobov. And, you know, this is yes. kind of normal. Yeah. And everybody do that. But, yeah, I'm not saying that they are not UFC level fires. But I'm just saying that people sometimes get too hyped about those. Nah, Waleed, you just pretty much said he ain't shit. 
No, just... <laughs> no listen, no, listen, listen. Islam Makhachev is a great fighter. Yes. Uh, Zabit is a great, great fighter. Khabib is a great, great fighter. But not all the Dagestanis are, uh, you know, I number one contenders. Potential. Real quick, but did you see Kevin Lee? Has called out Islam Makachev, and he said after he beats him up, he's gonna go after Khabib next. I like it. I love it. I, 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 like, I, I, I like it. I love it. I love Kevin Lee with an attitude. I love Kevin Lee wanting to go out there and fuck people up. That is the type of Kevin Lee we need. <laughs> that is. He's cleaning, kind of, you know, not the top uh, lightweight, but you know, the kind of the, the top little lower. Yeah, the top, top prospects. prospects for sure. Oh, the next, the, yeah, really, the next big he's things. He's really taking out. He's like, okay, wh which one of you guys are for real? Yeah. Because we thought it was Gillespie. We thought Gilbert Gillespie was going to be the fucking next thing to take on Khabib with his, you know, All American wrestling, and it took one beautiful right hand to end that entirely. But yeah. before we get too far off track and sitting here and talking about how amazing a fight between those two is going to be. Uh, light, or sorry, flyweights. Alexandra Pantoja defeated Matthew Schnell. Uh, huge KO for Pantoja. Uh, I hate to see Schnell go down like that, but I mean, Pantoja did his thing. Four minutes and 17 seconds into the first round. Big, what was it, like a three-punch combo? Put Schnell yeah. straight out. So, um, all she wrote, sorry, Matt Schnell, keep your hands up. Listen, shit happens, you know. It was uh, kind of, you know, the, the last minutes of the first round. Sometimes you, I don't know, shit happens. This is a crazy, crazy sport, you know. But yeah, great performance by Alexander. Now, Omar Morales in the lightweight division approved to 9-0 and with unanimous decision victory over Jung Hoi Ma. Uh, Hoi Ma actually, I believe, got a point deducted because he was kept grabbing the fence. Uh, yeah. And uh, I believe there was... A situation where even the referee had to call up an interpreter just so that everything was clear like hey you bro you need to stop grabbing the fence it's what you keep doing Choi Son Hu defeated Suman Maktarian uh, by a unanimous decision Choi Sung Hu looked amazing in that fight uh, Suman really just couldn't get things going I feel like once he did it was just a little too little too late it was like the into the third round almost where he started really putting it on Choi and I just don't know what the hell we're going to do with that yeah not a lot of South Korean fighters uh, lost you know but I'm kind of surprised that some of them lost like before that the the other guy like lost in uh, by decision and we said that if you go to decision in those kind of countries like yeah, you Brazil lost South Korea any really yeah. Russia but I have to say if you're going against a fucking countryman there was no controversy about the South Korean fighters in this card. No, for sure. Now in the heavyweight division for the final, or sorry, for the final prelims of the night, Cyril Gain went in there and got a unanimous decision victory over Tanner Bozer. Really, it was Tanner Bozer was the most experienced person that Cyril Gain has ever faced in probably the best competition. So to see him go out there and look good against somebody like that, I really feel like shows what kind of person we have in this heavyweight division in Cyril Gain. Yeah, and Cyril Gain is building himself, you know, little by little. He's gaining Ws, you know. Yeah, I think it's in fight, in they're not putting him against the raw. They're not rushing him too fast. Yeah. I mean, he's got the, the right pace going, the good right opponents, I feel like. Just keep doing what you guys are doing. I would love to see him face, like, um, who's that guy? Uh, Juan Adams. I would love to see him fight Juan Adams. I think that's a good matchup. Yeah. 
Yeah, I prefer a, a fight like that than you know giving him uh, directly. I don't know a fight against one of the, those legends that are still in the UFC. It's too soon. Let him, you know, work his thing. Get him to like nine out. and zero before yeah. you give Marlowski. Yeah, you know, give him some time. You know, because you need to build the division. This division really needs to be built again. One hundred percent. Yeah. Hey, hold on one sec. I'm gonna go to the bathroom and then we'll come back and do the main card. All right. Go take a shit. Ready? Sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. Took a shit? Yeah, for my fucking stomach was like, oh shit, bro, you gotta go. <laughs> All right. All right. Three, two, one. Now, for the first fight of the main card, Kong Jong Ho defeated Punglo Yui. Yep, I just said that. <laughs> yeah. By unanimous decision. And it pretty much went like that for the next fight, too. Park Jung Joy defeated Marc Andre Bolliart. Why can you say the French Canadian name so much better than Korean names? Uh, it's uh, something cultural, man. 
It's crazy. But uh, like I said, those two fights were kind of uneventful. Um, Park Chung Jung did look good, though, against Mark Andre Belliard. I feel like Mark, since Mark Andre's came over to the UFC, though, he's 0 2. Hasn't looked too good. Uh, don't know how much longer he's going to stick around if he keeps doing that. But all hats off to him, though. I mean, at least he's getting in there and doing this damn thing. One light heavyweight that made a big statement. Unfortunately, it was against our guest last week, Mike Rodriguez. Jung Dai Yu knocked him out viciously with a clean right straight. It was one minute and four seconds into the first round. Uh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful knockout. I really feel like another step up in competition is due for him too. Yeah, I agree with you. This was a beautiful finish, you know, too bad for Mike Rodriguez, but uh, Dan Jung uh, looked uh, perfect. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, fight of the night, or sorry, uh, performance of the night went to Charles Jordan against Choi Du Hu. Now, Jordan obviously looked amazing, got himself a beautiful second-round finish against the Korean Wonderboy. What are you going to do again? He said with the money, he said he's going to finally move out of mom and dad's house. Yeah. As most of you guys know, like we talked about earlier, fighters will make a ton of money. So that's what happens. Usually they're living at home or living with somebody else until they make it big. Yeah, it's a big W against Duho Troy. Like Duho Troy is not in an easy fight. He's a great fighter, you know. He's a well-established fighter in his in this division, and you know, beating him like that in this fashion in his own town, like it's a, it's it's a, it's kind of a big deal. Like, uh, congrats to him. This is great. He got the the bonus. It's amazing. It's amazing for him. One hundred percent. Now the light heavyweight co-main event was another amazing matchup. Vulcan yeah. Ozdemir got the well-deserved. The unanimous decision victory over Alexander Rockets. Did you see the goddamn hematoma on Rockets's uh, shin? Leg. Uh, yeah, it I saw that. It was yeah. ridiculous. It was huge. If for you guys at home that didn't see it, I'm not going to do what Justice is talking about it. But Vulcan kicked him in the leg, and you just seen if the hematoma. It's the same thing that happened with the eye; it starts swelling up. Yeah. The same thing happened on his shin, and it was huge. It was. It, he probably had. Maybe the size of a grapefruit on yeah. right below his knee. It was crazy. Crazy. One of the most bizarre injuries I've seen in a UFC fight. When when the timing is right, you know, with those kicks, you know, and uh, it can't hurt. Like, especially with low kicks, it's so, it's so dangerous because, if you you know, you can't even get, get hurt by yourself. If, you know, if the, they check your kick, you can really hurt the other guy. We saw that with Jose Aldo against Uriah Faber. That's the best example. And for the, you know, the the counter example, you need to see Anderson Silva against Chris Weidman. Oh, exactly. So you see, yeah, they're, they're, they're both uh, tremendous leg kickers. And, uh, you know, the, the outcome weren't uh, the same. But, yeah, Vulcan Ozdemir looked good. I believe that this uh, W really will uh, really help him because he needed Definitely put his confidence it. back. Yeah. He's got all he the tools that. in the world. It was a mental thing. Yeah, they, and they kind of pushed him, you know. He was, they pushed uh, you him know, too fast. He was fighting DC within like his fourth fight. Yeah, they the gave him. Year. Yeah, it's it's not easy. DC is on another level, man. You don't give sure. DC to yeah. There's definitely different levels in this shit. Yeah. Now Frankie Edgar lost the main event in the very first round, three minutes and eighteen seconds into that round against the Korean Zombie, who just really lit him up. Yeah. Like, like on the feet, I didn't expect it to look like that. The Korean zombie legitimately lit up Frankie Edgar. And it's crazy that I'm sitting here saying this and I never thought I would, but he looked worse than he did when he fought Gray. 
yeah. striking wise. Like I don't think Ortega was as bad of a beating as Gray was, and Ortega won the fight, and Gray lost. Yeah. But this fight, the Korean Zombie really put a beating on him. I think his decision to go to 135 is the best route for him now. I think that's something he needs to stay with and go focus on. And I think if Frankie wants to continue to fight, because I'm not going to tell him that he should or shouldn't fight. That's up to Frankie. I mean, yeah. at, at this point, he still has it. So does he want to go out there and possibly risk getting hurt? That, Like I said, that's up to Frankie. But I think he has a future in the 135-pound division in the UFC if that's what he would like. In my opinion, it's, uh, you know, he shouldn't have done that way before. After his second loss against Jose Aldo at UFC fucking, 200. The second they what, fucking announced the division, he should have jumped down there. Yeah. No, listen, man. After he lost to Jose Aldo the second time in UFC 200, there was nothing left for him in this division. No. Like, he fought for the belts, he lost. He wasn't going to fight against Conor McGregor. Like, what? Wait for the other young kids to come? You know, it, it wasn't his time. It was the whole way time. Go go down one division. Maybe you will become champion there, and that's it. I think it's that's a great it. division, too. It's really starting to, sh you know, shake up and look at something good. We now f officially yeah. know Henry is staying at 35. He's going to be defending that title. Uh, 25 is going to do their own thing from here on out. So at least we have some clarity there. So that, that's a huge plus. Yeah, but now that, that he came down, you know, to, to Bantamweight, Jose Aldo is there. And Frankie is going to have a serious problem with Jose Aldo. Like, he, when he fought, when he fights against Jose Aldo, his biggest losses were against Jose Aldo. He didn't look like Frankie Edgar. In those, this fight, or against Brian Ortega, he lost by finish. But, you know, it's he looked... It wasn't frustrating. He lost by by a finish, but against Rosie Aldo, it, it was always a, a frustrating loss, especially that second one. Yeah, it's something that definitely probably haunts him and still goes with him to this day. Yeah, it's crazy when you sit back and think about it because I mean they go through such ups and downs in their career. At one time, we were talking, we're we're literally discussing a former 155 pound champion, and we're saying that he should have been 135 pounds all along. We're talking about 20 pounds difference. And he was the yeah. champion at 155 pounds. That's how good Frankie Edgar is. And that's why I'm not going to sit here and be like, he needs to retire. Because we know what Frankie can do. No, he's a true fighter. I believe that if he wants to retire, he will do it. But I believe that he'll, there's still some fights in him. I believe that uh, he can, you know, at least give it a try at Bantamweight. Give it, a, you know, give it his best. And uh, if it, if he succeeds, okay. If he's not, uh, you know, whatsoever. He's already, you know, UFC for sure Hall of Famer. Famer. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, you know, it's all good. 100% for sure he's a Hall of Famer. But the Korean Zombie, though, at 145 pounds, that's a, that's a great prospect. I'm really, really interested to see what that featherweight – I really – okay, I, 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 I'm just going to come out and say it. Just re-fucking do the Ortega and Korean Zombie fight. I really want to see that fight. Yeah. I'm super excited Makes. when they first announced it. Yeah, I agree with you. Even uh, the the fight against uh, Holloway, I'm not, you know, I don't disagree with it. Because the people that talked about that, they say that, you know, stylistically it would, be, it would be a great fight. And I agree with it. The striking and stuff, like, would be great. But Brian Ortega was the fight that was supposed to happen. And I believe this is the fight that should be next for him, for the Korean Zombie. 100% super excited for the future of the featherweight division. Obviously, no, we know its champions, Alexander Volkanovsky. 
most likely going to be rematching Max Holloway in his first title defense, so we'll stay tuned to that. But the Korean Zombie is definitely knocking on the doorstep of a title shot here soon. One more victory, and it's hard to deny that, man, what is definitely something he deserved. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, guys, but at this time, we are going to conclude our recap of UFC Fight Night Busan. We are going to switch gears a little bit here and go do a fighter interview with Mr. Robbie Bellamere. Like I said earlier, Robbie contacted me and was like, hey, man, I, you know, I want to get on and I want to do this. And that's the type of attitude I love to hear from amateur fighters. So obviously, when anyone reaches out to me, I try to do my best to get them on. So this is us doing our thing. But uh, Wally Wall will be back with us in a second. And we're going to be talking about the PFL finals, which are uh, going to be going later on tonight on ESPN so uh, stay tuned for that knuckleheads and as always you're listening to Native MMA Radio alright guys joining me at this time is uh, a very near friend of the show Robbie Bellamere Robbie how you doing today man doing awesome Randall thank you now uh, you have some news you would like to come on and share with us uh, what do you what did you call upon us today for uh, unfortunately, no fight date set, but I am getting the wheels in motion, get right back into training camp, uh, gonna be really prepared for this next one, but the comeback fight is on the horizon, and I'm ready to go, I'm a new man, new fighter, everything's different now, I'm, I'm just ready to show people a whole different, whole different world. Now, um, not a lot of people understand what it takes to actually get the courage to step in that cage, and that's something that you've done multiple times. Tell me, for you, what does it mean to be a mixed martial artist? To be an actual fighter who competes in the cage, it's, uh, it, like you said, yeah, it takes a lot of courage. It takes a brave individual. Um, to be involved in martial arts, in actual martial arts, uh, it takes discipline, it takes honor, respect, um, and it takes a lot of time, you know. If you're a serious mixed martial artist, it takes a lot of time. Now, a lot of people will sit back and, you know, obviously realize that after a loss, it, it's hard to want to get back on that horse. And that's something that you're going through right now. You lost mm -hmm. uh, at Cage Wars. You're, now you're coming back. What do you want out of this journey? Ultimately, I'd love to make this my career. I'd like to be able to make enough money that I don't have to have a job on the side and my daily work can be going to the gym and training and then fighting once every few months or so and ultimately making enough so I can settle down, retire, not have to worry about bills or anything like that ever again. Now, definitely uh, financially is an awesome aspect. Do you obviously you want to go pro? If we have a couple fights here, is that going to be a, you know something that we look forward to in 2020? Definitely. By the end of 2020, I mean, I've had goals to be in the UFC by then, like back five years ago when I was 18, but obviously that's not very realistic. It hasn't come to fruition. But um, end of 2020, if I can win a few fights, amateur, and then finish off with a pro fight, I will be absolutely livid. Now, uh, what promotions are you trying to reach out to right now to get something signed up? I know Cage Wars has something um, going on in January, and I believe in yeah. March. They're also going to be dabbling in some boxing. 
Uh, oh, really? Yes. You're also you Victory FC, former one of their former champions. Is that an yeah. option to go back yeah. over there? Uh, Victory, I, I don't see myself going back there. Had a little falling out there with John. Still much respect for him, but is what, what happened is. there? Um, well, when I uh, I actually couldn't fight the Cage Wars tw- uh, November 23rd fight yeah. and the October 26th fight because there's apparently a USMTA rule 30 days between contests or whatever. So I couldn't do both fights, and I made the choice to go with a Cage Wars fight, my first Cage Wars opportunity at 135, which eventually had to fall through for other reasons as well. Um, but the victory, he was very upset, which... In my opinion, if I'm going to give a little bit of information on that, I took a fight short notice when I won the belt for him less than a month's notice. I gave him a month and a half, almost two months' notice, so I didn't think that I did anything too wrong there. I had to do what I had to do. Yeah, definitely, especially in your amateur career. You know, you guys got to get as many fights as you can in. I mean, I would have loved to do both. There's not a, a, a lot of money in amateur mixed martial arts. You probably, a lot of people I, that I know at least, barely cover, you know, getting themselves to the fights and getting back and, you know, eating and being down there and stuff like that. Exactly. But um, yes. a lot of this is just uh, passion and then trying to get to that next level to where, obviously, we talked about earlier, you have that financial backing. Exactly. Now, Cage Wars, if they called, obviously, that's something that you're open to, Slim and them, or, I mean, uh, Slim and them, they run a type ship over there. It's a very good promotion. Obviously, our our good friend Ben is over there, too. Um, Yes, sir. Can't say nothing but good things about Cage Wars. Yeah, I would love to go back to Cage Wars, uh, possibly the March event. January would be a little too soon. I actually am dealing with a minor injury right now that I have to rehab as soon as it's better. Um and I need to get my blood work and everything in order too. So I got a lot to do. So January is not realistic, but March is a possibility. Would you be willing to travel down to like the West Coast? Uh, yeah, I'll go anywhere as long as uh, I have enough notice to make sure the finances are all in order. Definitely, definitely. Well, maybe we can work something out. <laughs> I know of an event. It's in April, but April. we might be able to talk to some people. Man, I would love, love it. Thank you. What, uh, of course, of course. What weight are you at right now? What are you fighting at? What are you looking to come back at? You want to go to 35? I know you, you've been at 25 for a good chunk of your career. 25. I never fought. Sorry, sorry, 45. 45. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, looking at my record, I'm 0 and 3 at 145, and I'm 2 and 1 at 135 with a belt. So I think 135 is where I should be. So that's where I intend to return. Now, how are you right now? Are you are you close to that? I could make it in three weeks. In three weeks. Heavier than I've ever been, honestly. So you'd be stepping in as a welterweight right about now. Nice. <laughs> lightweight, lightweight. Nice, nice. Uh, Just under 160. Let's talk MMA, in the world of MMA at least. A lot of shit's been going on. Um, obviously, the welterweight title picture is very clear. Kamaru Usman's very fucking good. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's going to go up against Jorge Masvidal most likely next. Is that, a, is that something that interests you? Oh, for sure. Um, if I had to personally go with my matchmaking choices, I'd rather see Masvidal fight someone like Nick Diaz or even Conor McGregor if Conor beats Cowboy. 
because uh, I don't want to see Masvidal in there against a wrestle-heavy guy like Kamaru, because I do think Kamaru would most likely grind out a decision versus Jorge. Kamaru is um, going to wrestle fuck the shit out of Jorge Masvidal yeah. <laughs> when they fight. If anyone thinks that Kamaru Usman is going to go in there and fight like he fought against Colby, against Jorge, you're out of your mind. He is going yeah. to take Jorge Masvidal down, and he is going to grind out that victory. Exactly. Can't hate it though. I mean, it's just it's gonna happen. He's so good at it, man. And people oh, yeah, don't even like, realize like, the best thing about that fight was there were zero takedowns between him and Covington. That was a little crazy to me, actually. I think it was a kickboxing. Should have at least shot, you know, try to wear him out by trying to shoot. I said that the week before on the show too. I was like, listen, this is gonna go two ways. I was like, it's either gonna be a kickboxing match or. Covington's going to shoot a couple times and he's not going to get the takedown as easily as he thinks or as effortlessly as he should, in his mind at least. And uh, it's going to deter him from wanting to do it. And yeah, they, they just never even went there. That was a good fight, though. Great fight. Where are you yeah. now? I know you moved. Yeah. Uh, I'm in Bracebridge, Ontario now. And where is that... On the east coast of Canada, correct? Still Ontario, just okay. uh, about an hour north of where I was living. Um, about five or four hours south of where I lived temporarily in the summer. What uh, what made you move up there? Uh, job opportunity and a house. Me and my brother have a house together now. I'm living with my older brother. What are you doing um, for work? Carpentry and construction work now, full time. Oh, nice. How's that? Yeah. It's good, man. I love it. It's fucking physically challenging, and you know I like that. Yes. So, I like it. I like are the guys Are you I'm able to, uh, are still get in there and train? Yes. Yeah. And how, how do you balance that? Um, I do a lot of intermittent fasting, so usually when I'm at work, at very most, I'll have fruit on break, but then once I get off work, at the most, I'll have like a little fuel up with something high protein and then I'm good to go train within an hour of getting out of work usually even if it was a hard day I don't know like I've built my conditioning up for years man just built like a brick shit house <laughs> now uh, obviously that working out pretty much all day because I mean you're always working when you're a carpenter you're always grabbing wood moving shit around picking this mm -hmm. up taking it there hammering this hammering that it's a constant body workout then you're going yeah. to the gym. Do uh, do we plan to see a new and improved Robbie Bellamere with all his extra strength at 135? 100%, man. Like, swinging that hammer, like, someone's getting knocked the fuck out. I'm sorry it was happening. Can't wait to see it, man. Uh, when would you like, if you had an ideal date, when would you like to come back? I got, like, two sides to me on that want it to be as quick as possible because I've been itching to fight, but then being as smart as possible with preparation and everything I have to get in order, June, I'd say June. Okay, so what what is stopping you from getting there earlier? Uh, two different injuries that have been linked, two of them that have been lingering for two months and then one minor one that will probably be gone in a couple of days. Um, my work, I just got adjusted to it. I got to start at the new gym, Muskoka Kickboxing, and then get the weight down. Uh, you know, I'll say May. 
April or May. April or May would be perfect. I'm not I trying to rush you. I was just trying to get into oh, no. your mindset. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to think about it, though. And I was just I was stretching it just to be as smart as possible. But honestly, I can be very ready within three, four months. And then uh, what are the injuries? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, a reoccurring injury to my left knee. I actually had to pull out of my Kyle Kaler fight the first time with that injury. Uh, so it's something that you've needed to heal up for a minute now. Yeah, it was weird. When I came back from that injury the first time, I rehabbed it. I did a lot more leg workouts and stuff to try to build it up, and uh, now it's worse than it was the first time, so it's a little concerning. Uh, um, have you went to the doctor and had him look at it yet? I did when I first injured it. I don't have the the time nowadays, but uh, I don't think I need surgery. I think I need better rest than I've been getting, man. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, what are you doing in training to try to protect that knee? Uh, for example, if I go spar, because I might be sparring any day now, I, I'm on call for a buddy of mine who's uh, in training camp. Um, I'll go southpaw to avoid getting kicked in that lead leg. Um, I've still been kicking the bag with it, which is probably a bit stupid, but I get carried away. Um, I haven't been doing any leg workouts, like you know, heavy leg press, stuff like that. Just been doing some lunges some band work and that's about it trying to stay away from anything heavy no no for sure impact what your diet you're on a fucking what is it completely 100% gluten free vegetarian vegan diet man I see food I eat it you know how it is Uh, I'm about to make some bacon and eggs I'm about to make some bacon and eggs what all of a sudden Who is this guy? Plant man no more. (laughs) What? Oh my goodness. (laughs) It's a whole new Robbie. Yeah. This is the change. This is the change you needed, man. Look, this is going to be a whole new you when you go into the cage. I mean, when I am in training camp, I'm still going to keep it mostly plant-based because I do find my energy levels and recovery is better. But you got to have that little bit of protein every once in a while, especially some good old-fashioned bacon like eggs eggs are a solid source of protein always now for you are what, what kind of how do you like your bacon do you like it crispy or do you like it a little flimsy mm, if it's just plain bacon on its own i like it flimsy oh, uh if it's crispy hell? i like it in a sandwich with some eggs and cheese okay Ooh. there we go there we go yeah yeah fuck you need to make a lunch too blt <laughs> Well, that's a good idea. I got bread and tomato too. There you go. See, I don't got the lettuce though. That was BT. <laughs> now, this weekend, or not this weekend, I guess it's Wednesday. PFL has a million dollar finale on New Year's Eve. What do you think about a format like that? The whole tournament, that's actually awesome. Like, I'd like to be part of a tournament just to know the people in your bracket and like if you win and that person wins you'll be fighting them like it's, it's interesting for sure there's no guessing game involved exactly yep what about Can't the option the of, rankings. of fighting twice in one night is that something that you've ever looked into I'd do it if I came out of the first one fresh enough I'd do it anytime never been offered that never seen an opportunity for that but yeah that, that usually doesn't come across a whole lot in amateur MMA but Apparently in the PFL, it's a thing. You know, something else I would be interested in doing that's lately been brought to my attention more is bare-knuckle boxing. 
Really? Yes. That's something you're interested in? Yes, sir. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I think you would be great at bare knuckle boxing, especially for your size. Is that something that we might see you get into soon? Yep. Just need the right opportunity. I always see opportunities like that out there. Um, next time I see one, I'll let you know. That'd be awesome. No, for sure, man. Well, uh, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but before I let you go, I want to give you a quick shout out to uh, your loved ones, anyone that you would like to, and uh, anyone that's really helped you along your way in this MMA career of yours. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to go back to Pro Spar where I did train before I left Barry because it's where I've been training for all my fights. Sensei Gary, Joseph Roders, Kelson Prince, Mark, couldn't tell you the last name, uh, Richard Content, my buddy, old training partner. I haven't trained with him in over a year now. He's actually coming over tonight on his way through the province. Uh, so I'm going to see him for the first time in a while. Probably even grapple with him a little bit. Nice. <laughs> Have some drinks, start wrestling. There you so, go. Yeah. Um, my brother, my mom, my dad, uh, any of my supporters, friends, or fans or whatever that have stuck with me through the ups and downs. And all the new fans that are going to be coming soon, thank you and you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so we will be seeing Robbie Bellamere in the cage again in 2020. 100%. Excellent, brother. Well, uh, thank you again for joining us and uh, can't wait to talk to you right before your fight, man. Thanks for the time, man. Of course, brother. Have a good one. All right, take care. Guys, welcome back to episode 52 of a Native MMA Radio. For the very first time, the PFL is going to get their own segment here on Native MMA Radio. And we, of course, we're going to break it out for that million-dollar finale. Super excited about that. PFL was gracious enough to give us their press credentials to see their playoffs. So or Native MMA Radio was able to get an exclusive content of all the playoffs. So it was awesome to be there. Started it off on October 11th when the welterweights and the women's lightweights, that's right, you guys heard it, PFL has a women's 155-pound bracket. But started off, the welterweights went to work, and the first man to step up and gain a spot in the quarter, quarter, or sorry, in the semifinals was Ray Cooper. He defeated Sabi Sai. Sai was the number three guy in the playoffs. Uh, Ray Cooper was the number six guy in the playoffs. As you guys know, this is a playoff bracket, so they had to fight twice in one night. Ray Cooper would realize later that he was going to have to fight, fight Magomed Magomed Sharimov. Now, here's where things got a little bit interesting. Magomed beat Chris Cooper in the quarterfinals, but as soon as Magomed went to the back, he started throwing up and getting very sick. So obviously, for people that follow the sport, like you know, Waleed and myself, we knew right away that he had concussion-like symptoms and he was not going to be able to continue in the fight. The guy who Ray Cooper beat, Ray Cooper knocked out. So Sai could not compete. So the next best guy who could compete was Chris Curtis. Chris Curtis stepped back into the cage one more time where unfortunately Chris Curtis was knocked out yet again. By this time, by Ray Cooper. Yeah. Now, in the other quarterfinal fight, 
Franca defeated Andre Fihili to go to that semifinals. And then Mr. Bulldog David Mashad fought Josh Howard. Bulldog had a beautiful, beautiful first, or sorry, uh, decision victory in his first fight and then had another decision victory over Franca in the semifinals, setting up Ray Cooper versus David Bulldog Mashad in these finals matchups. Super excited for that. I know Ray Cooper is going to bring it. The dude has dynamite in both of his hands. So what is Bulldog going to do? We know that he's got the heart of a champion. That's going to be an interesting matchup. I do not see it going to the judges' scorecards, though. Yeah. In the history of the MMA tournament like that, we never had a tournament without any drama when it comes to injuries or, or, or weight issues, right? And this was definitely, this one had its fair share of that. Definitely the yeah. first night and the last night had a lot of mixing and matching. Uh, when we talked to Jared, Jared Rochalt, he the same thing. When we did our press conference with him, he was like, you know, I was just kind of in the back just waiting for them to come up and tell me who I was fighting because I knew that my opponent wasn't going to make it out. Yeah. That's what Which happens. is crazy. Sometimes you guys, like, like David Mashad was in two wars. Now, when you fight twice like this in the state of Nevada, they will not let you fight more than five rounds. So the quarterfinals were all two-round fights, and the semifinals were all three-round fights. David Mashad looked amazing. I think him against Ray Cooper is probably one of the most best firework-type matchups. It's the best fan-friendly matchup that PFL has to offer in these finals. Can't wait to see it. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be dynamite between those two. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, we're going to move on to the women's lightweight brackets. Now, there was only four women to advance to the playoffs, so they jumped straight to the semifinals. The number one seed, Sarah Kaufman, took on number four seed, Larissa Penchenko, and Larissa went out there and did the damn thing, and she beat number one seed and former... UFC bantamweight contender Sarah Kaufman in a unanimous decision victory and looked very good doing so. Yeah, she they look good, and I think that this final will be a great, a great fight too. Yeah, Kayla Harrison has already beat La- Larissa going into these playoffs. She got a victory over Larissa to advance into the playoffs. Kayla said that the Kayla that beat Larissa the first time would get murdered by the Kayla now. And that's a huge statement coming from somebody like that. She's 6-0, and Kayla Harrison, coming from American Top Team. She beat Bobby Joe Danzel in the lightweight semifinals. She is on her way to becoming possibly the next millionaire that we see in the women's MMA scene. And I think it's going to be well-deserved. I really, really like Larissa Penchenko. I love her story. She is a humble human being. She comes from great a great family. Uh, she comes from pretty much nothing in Brazil. She's been working uh, in the local market since she was 13 and 12 years old, running her own stand. She wasn't just a helper. She was running her own stand. Went there, and this we're talking about 13, 14. I could barely get my 12-year-old to pick up his goddamn laundry. All right, We're talking about a 14-year-old girl. Then from there, she'd go to training, and then from training, she'd go to school. So, I mean, heart of a warrior, unfortunately, she has to face somebody like the Olympian, Kayla Harrison. Yeah, it will be a great fight. I believe that the Olympian will be the the favorite for this fight, but you know who knows in MMA. You really do. 
really never know. You really, yeah, especially, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's a little different because there, there isn't the you have to fight twice in one night aspect in this night. It's yeah. one fight, five rounds. We know who we're fighting. It's for a million dollars. I think that advantage has to go to Kayla Harrison. Yeah, we will see. 100% we will see. Now we're going to go jump to October 17th, which was the second night of the PFL playoffs. And it was the PFL featherweights and lightweights. Now to start it all off, we're going to talk about probably the most polarizing figure in PFL outside of Kayla Harrison. And that is the party man himself, number one leatherweight contender in the PFL, Lance Palmer, obviously just looked amazing. He looked amazing in his first fight, got a uh, KO victory. He went to the semifinals very, 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 very well prepared. He fought a young man in Alex Gilpin in those semifinals who lost to... Palmer earlier in the season, then lost to him again in the semifinals to let Palmer advance to the finals. Now, Daniel Pineda won his featherweight matchup against probably the number one guy in this entire tournament when it comes to the wow factor. Uh, Kambayoff had this huge flying EKO. It's all over all the highlight reels. If you look it up, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. So Pineda knocks him out, goes and fights Jeremy Kinney. Now, he beats Jeremy Kennedy in, I believe it was the third round, he ended up finishing him. Now, Daniel Pineda, on the 9th of the 17th, was the man who we all thought was going to be eventually facing Lance Palmer New Year's Eve in New York City, but something fucking happened like it always does, okay? And he got popped for a supplement that might have popped Possibly had something that is banned by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. And it unfortunately has to forfeit his opportunity to go and face Lance Palmer. Now, the next available man to be able to face Lance Palmer would have been Kobayoff. If you remember, he got knocked out by Pineda. The next guy after that is a guy that Lance Palmer has faced in the semifinals, Alex Gilpin. And Alex Gilpin has stepped up to the challenge and is going against Lance Palmer one more time. If you look at those two fights, and Alex looked very good in his first fight, then looked even better in his second fight. I really think this third fight, Alex Gilpin might figure out Lance Palmer. It will depend on how Palmer, you know, to approach this fight because if he's too confident and think that because he's already fought this guy two times, you know, we will see. But uh, it's definitely an advantage knowing that you defeated someone two well, times. I mean that you can take uh, Alex Gilpin's a great wrestler. Lance Palmer's better though, and yeah. you know you can take away one of his biggest attributes, which is his wrestling. If you look at the quarterfinal fight against Andre Harrison. Alex Gilpin was able to use his wrestling to get a very nice submission on Harrison. I just, uh, I, it's not going to happen against Lance Palmer, but I do think it'll be the best of the three fights for sure. If you're Alex and you lo and you lose again this fight, how frustrating it is to lose to a guy three times. 100%. Frustrating yeah. and motivating. But even Alexander Hernandez, who we had on the show last week, talked about Alex Gilpin a little bit. And he even said that if there's any guy... 
Like, he's done this before. This is Alex Gilpin's forte. Like, in high school wrestling, he was that guy that would go out there, get smoked twice, and then come back and win this third meet against the same guy. Like, this is his M.O. So, if if that stays true, we might see it happen one more time. All right. Okay. Now, in the PFL's lightweight division, there's one man who reigned supreme, and that was number one seed, Nathan Schultz, and he pretty much showed why he reigned supreme he quickly finished ramsey ninjum in the corner finals he goes to the semi-finals quickly finishes rashid magomed in what was a beautiful uh arm triangle he gets up walks away magomed's asleep on the canvas natan schultz the one knock on Nathan Schultz last year was he didn't finish fights. He came into the 2019 PFL season, and he has finished five out of his six fights. So, I mean, you can't really knock him anymore. This guy is coming to win, and he's coming to take names with him. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I believe you just uh, said something wrong about the name. He fought against Ahmed Aliyev, I believe, in the semifinal. Oh, yeah, so you're absolutely correct. My mistake, I read that wrong. 100%. Makhmed Ali fought Rashid in the corner finals. Yeah, okay. Sorry about that. Uh, The man who is going to be facing Natan Sholto in the finals is... I'm going to fuck this one up, (laughs) all right? And then we're going to have Waleed fix it. His name is Loik Radzabov. Rodzik. Exactly. Okay, yeah, exactly. Well, we got this, bro. Yeah, you, you got this, now, brother. Now, he's the first major Tajikistan fighter ever. He's from that region. He said, I believe it was like three or four years ago, that MMA was completely banned in the country altogether. So, I mean, he thinks with him winning this title will really bring MMA to kind of like the forefront in that country. And we could possibly see some more devastating fighters come out of that region. He, he's looked very good in the PFL. He's now 14 in one. So, I mean, the sky is the limits. He's got to get past a very, very dangerous Nathan Schulto. And Nathan Schulte looks like a man on a mission to win another million. I tried to get him on the show, but it was hard to get a time with him and his interpreter down. So we weren't able to get it down. We're going to get him on the show, though, eventually. I love him. He comes from a great camp and American top team. Like I said earlier, I think Nathan Schulte is the best fighter, not in the UFC or the Bellator, that is fighting in the lightweight division currently. Yeah, we will see because the week is not an easy fight for him. No. So, yeah, and you saw, you know, Roger fighting for a million dollars, you know that you're fighting for the check, for paycheck, for a yes. million dollars. Like, I, don't, I believe that uh, to go crazy, you know, everybody well, will Jordan go for the Johnson kill. Jordan said it better than anything. He's like, this, didn't, this whole move to the PFL doesn't make sense if I don't win this million dollars. I agree with him. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Which, uh, another guy we're talking about right now. We're going to go to the, the last night of the PFL playoffs. The PFL decided to grace us on Halloween night with the big boys. The light heavyweights and heavyweights decided to figure out who was going to those finals. And uh, it, it wasn't a big firework night like I expected. I, I think I feel like the welterweights brought more power than these guys did. But nonetheless, we did get some power. And it came... From the number one seed in the lightweight division, a man who has finished every single 
competitor he's faced this year in the PFL. Emmanuel Swarty came in of the man on a mission, I feel like, this year and has literally finished every single fighter he has fought this season in the PFL. The one problem with Emmanuel Swarty is facing a man in Jared Johnson who has never been finished in his entire life. Uh. Think about that. A man who's a finishing machine against a man who's never been finished and has only lost one fight in his entire life. We're talking about the 13-1 Jordan Johnson. He was the number seven seed coming into this. He squeaked into these playoffs, and he's looked damn good ever since. Well, I want to tell you that this is the kind of, you know, matchup that that's very exciting when you have someone that, you know, will go for the finish against some guy that, you know, knows how to score points and win by decisions. It's always great to watch those kind of fights because they are very tactical fights. Classic striker versus grappler matchup. Yeah. Very, very tactical fights. And, you know, uh, you see which game plans works, works out better and it's good. It's, it's very enjoyable to watch the, those these kind of fights. I'm super excited. I think Swarty is another one of those guys where he's definitely UFC ready. I don't know why he hasn't made it there yet. I mean, probably the eight losses, but if you don't look at those eight losses, the dude has looked very, very good this season in the PFL. I really feel like he's coming into his own, and yeah. uh, he's definitely crossed that bridge where he's on that level now. We have people in the UFC with worse uh, MMA record than that. Shit, we got people who've lost eight fights in the UFC. <laughs> we have people with uh, zero win and two losses in CM Punk. So, this is uh, true. So. This is true. But unfortunately for Emmanuel Swarty, he is not as big a draw as CM Punk is, unfortunately. Yeah. Now the big boys are going to be stepping into the PFL Finals. To, in the corner finals, Ali Isayev defeated Mama's boy Kevin Tiller. Now, there was a little bit of uh, shit going on, obviously. Ali Saif defeated, uh, sorry, Denis Gosov. We're getting there, okay? Yeah, right before. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. You're jumping over shit, all right, bro? All right, all right, okay, I'm sorry. So now we do know that Mr. Ali Saif in the semifinals did beat Denis Goltsov. It was a, a beautiful fight, too. Ali Isayev beat him. It was, I think there was like three seconds left in the fight. Ali Isayev was losing the fight completely, 100%. There's no way the judges was giving him any of those three rounds. And he got the knockout in the last couple seconds. It was beautiful. Yeah. And then, so, here's how it all played out. Kevin Tiller lost to Ali Isayev in the quarterfinals. Mohamed Duris lost to Jared Rochalt in the quarterfinals. Darice was finished by Rochalt. So Rochalt now was going to fight Alex Nicholson or where's uh, Frank Kamir Barboza. Barboza got injured after beating Alex Nicholson. Like we talked about, you never know what's going to happen in a playoff or, you know, you know, you fight twice in one night type format, these tournaments. So he gets injured. Kevin Tiller is thrusted back into competition and Kevin Tiller loses to Jared Rochal in the semifinals of the heavyweight PFL finals. So now we see Jared Rochal against Ali Isayev. Two great wrestlers. Ali Isayev is a former Russian wrestler. Jared Rochal, I mean, even like the whole Rochal family, 
I believe, were all all American college wrestlers. And Rochelle, I believe, don't quote me on this, fight fans, but I believe has the best record of a heavyweight for Oklahoma State college wrestling history. And Oklahoma State is like the Alabama of college wrestling. So the guy is good. Can't wait for the PFL finals. That about wraps it up. There's some other fights that are on there. I believe uh, Brendan Lockwith, who was fighting um, in the Contender Series, he's going to be on that fight. He fought Matt Wagey the very first night of the playoffs after they signed him. So excited about that. Wally Wall, how excited are you that more than one company is out there paying their fighters over a million dollars a year? This is great. I feel that this is the greatest opportunity for those fighters. And uh, we talked about that with, uh, with John Fitch when we had him on the, on the podcast. And he told me, and I asked him about, you know, uh, with MMA fighters having more opportunities, uh, is it better, you know? And of course, it's better because uh, you, you have less pressure. Now they are fighting for a million dollars, not only one or two, four, uh, how, how many? Four? No, six, I'm sorry. Six, six million six fighters. Six million six fighters at the end of the New yeah. Year's card. It's, a, it's amazing, brother, and I feel like... Uh, it's life-changing. It, it's the people. way, yeah. It's the way to go, because when you see the, the kind of money there is in boxing, you know, I would like to say that uh, in MMA should be kind of the same, kind of, same amount of money in it. No, boxing is ridiculous, and I, I would love for MMA to get there one day. Hopefully it happens. Yeah, because uh, it's more popular. I'm sorry, but uh, we have to say that right now MMA is more popular than boxing. You know, people will watch MMA fights more frequently than watch boxing. Nobody will miss a big boxing fight, but nobody will miss an MMA big fight too. But people will much will almost watch any MMA fight at this point. No, 100%. I mean, no matter who it is, people are out there watching. If you don't believe me. Conor McGregor hasn't fought in years. They said yeah. $10 million fucking gate in under eight fucking minutes. $10 million gate sold under eight minutes. Let me put something into perspective for you. They were saying that UFC, the last one they had, 245, was the biggest that they had in years at the T-Mobile Arena. Conor beat that in eight minutes. Selling yeah, no, wise, it is. Selling wise. Okay. It's, it's, it's something else. The Conor McGregor show is something else. People, sometimes they forget about this. There are people, you know, they were trolling on the internet saying that they don't even want to watch this fight. Stop lying to, to yourself. You, we all want to watch this fight. This yeah, it's sure. a great fight. It's Anything great else fight. on the PFL playoffs, though, Mr. Wally Wall? Uh, good luck to everybody. Uh, if it was for, for me, everybody should be a millionaire in this world, except for some guys. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. Some people you may know you too. Some people we know both of us in common, but uh, we're not talking about that. Anyway, uh, good luck for uh, the the fighters. I believe that uh, this will be a great show. And yeah, good luck for them. And maybe some of them will move up to the UFC Plus very soon. Plus, they get to fight in Madison Square Garden. That's, I mean, yeah. that's one of the greatest venues, even just combat sports in general. Sugar Ray Robinson fucking Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, all the greats fought there. McGregor against Alvarez, McGregor. although that's yeah, great fight. Great, 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 great fights. So, so and this excited. is, 
And it's the last uh, MMA sh- big show in uh, before in, in, tw- uh, 20, yeah, in 2019. So, you know, enjoy, well, decade, watch it. it yeah, in the decade. The last major MMA show. So, super excited. I'm glad they're having it. I think, obviously, the PFL, I'm, I think highly of it. I hope it's here for the long run. I hope it's here to stay. I just hope they have the money to keep doing it. Uh, $6 million in one night is kind of a lot. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we shall see. Can't wait for that. Wally, while we'll be back next week to talk about what happened in these PFL playoffs. But uh, super excited. Stay here for a quick station identification. And then we're going to get Casey Kinney on the line. Casey Kinney is going to talk about what is next for him. I know he's got a fight scheduled. So can't wait to talk to him about that. As always, you're listening to Native MMA Radio. This is Jason the Specimen Soares, and you're listening to Native MMA Radio. All right, guys, joining me at this time is one of my favorite UFC fighters at this point in time, Casey Kinney, man. Casey, last time we spoke to you was right before your Manny Bermudez fight. You came out with that victorious big card UFC 241. Tell me, how was that whole experience for you being in Anaheim? Oh, man, it was uh, it was surreal, you know, being on the big pay-per-view. You know, I shared a room, uh, locker room with uh, Nate Diaz, you know, got to do the whole thing, and uh, I mean, it was still one of the biggest cards of the year. You know, they might have had a one or two that upset it, but uh, you know, you can't ask for much more. I opened up on the the ESPN card against you know a fourteen and zero guy with three finishes. Uh, I mean, it, every you know, the only thing that could have happened better was if I would have went out there and knocked him out in the first round, type of thing. You know, uh, other than that, you know, it was all perfect. Uh, you know. Uh, it was a big, uh, big fight for me too. You know, with the being the smaller guy, kind of got a little bit of praise for that type of thing too. So that was cool. You know, we knew he was going to be heavy. So just the whole experience was great, man. Yeah, you guys actually uh, had to switch the weight class, correct? Yeah, because uh, basically uh, we had to meet at a catch weight because uh, they were they were shutting him off on the weight cut. Um, like one forty, right? Yeah, we met at one forty. So was that something that you were cool with, obviously, when he they approached you guys? And how how far ahead of time did they approach you with that? Uh, it was we got a phone call at one a.m. Um, the night before weigh-ins. So oh no shit. <laughs> yeah, so he he was basically they told me he was one forty-three, and he was going to bed and going to wake up and make one forty. But they weren't. Uh, I don't know if it was the PI or the commission or you know the the nutritionist there or whatever uh, that cut him off and said he could only make 140, um, which I'd saw him like on the bike dying probably like a half hour before that. My coach just happened to be in the the workout room too, and I was going to see what he was up to, and there sat Manny on the bike half dead. So my first initial reaction when I got the phone call was. Oh, man, he's like, he's going to the hospital. There's going to be, like, no fight type of thing, you know. Um, so I was glad that wasn't the case. Cause, so you were actually a little relieved to hear that it was just a catchweight fight. Yeah, because uh, we had just went across the street to get my coaches some food. Uh, one had just gotten in, and then one had just gotten done with the workout. And uh, I just talked to my manager at the hotel uh, bar. You know, everybody was down there hanging out still, and um, – calls me up he's like hey get back over here we need to talk so i had a, like a probably like a mile walk of what the hell's going on like what could it be i know it's his weight but what is it that gonna gut be? rich and feeling like shit is this fight off yeah i'm gonna shut these blinds man there no you're that okay <laughs> it's a nice <laughs> sunday afternoon yeah it's glaring right in my face every now and then off the screen 
no, for sure. But uh, yeah, those are situations that Manny Bermudez has seemed to, you know, continue and has now actually got himself out of the UFC. Uh, kind of crazy after you just talked about it because he was undefeated up until the the moment that he faced you. So while two fights later, he's out of the UFC completely. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, some bad decisions. Well, one. You know, I think he's just a little too big for 35, but yes. missing the weight at 45. Uh, it just might looks start, bad. Yeah, it might start questioning your discipline then, you know what I mean? Like, uh, or change something type of thing, you know. not Maybe not discipline, but something's not working. No, for sure. Now, uh, for you, we have your next fight, uh, Murab, uh, UFC on ESPN Plus 25. How excited are you for that? Oh, man, it's going to be a good one. You know, um, Rab, he's, uh, he's a tough opponent, man, a wild man out there. You know, uh, I think I heard uh, Bisbing talking about him uh, a few times on the commentary, you know. And his, his fighting style is exciting. You know, he's going he's gonna to do a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, he excels when he's holding you down, kind of in control of the grappling aspect. Uh, but, man, I think I'm going to light him up. You know, I asked for a banger and uh, – I think, uh, you know, Marab likes to grapple too, but I think uh, he's going to stand and, uh, you know, trade with me a little bit. And, uh, you know, like Borg, Manny did a little bit, but like Borg was all double legs. You know, Manny was trying to grab me about any chance he could type of thing. But I think Marab's going to stand there and, you know, exchange a little bit. And uh, we're going to we're gonna have a full uh, mixed martial arts war. Now, uh, is this something that you've known about for a while? Because you seem to already have a, a whole lot of knowledge on Murab. Is it something that you've had an eye on him or for a while, or is it something that's kind of brand new? Uh, you know, I've watched him fight. Um, you know, here and there, I watch all. I watch you all keep the everybody fight. Everybody in here. Yeah, I know everybody. <laughs> I know everybody, especially in the you know flyweight, bantamweight division. Uh, I know them all, um, but. I've had uh, I've had a little bit of time now. You know, I knew a little bit before it was announced, um, type of thing. Probably like a week before or so. It takes a little while for everything to go through, and uh, you know, um, waiting on that contract to come through before thing. You know, before things start popping off on social media. So uh, you know, I've I've uh, got on the on the TV and stuff and watched all his fights in the UFC. You know, he's got four fights in the UFC that are all you know great. Fifteen minute pretty much um, got put out with like two or three seconds left in that one but other than that it's all been you know decisions now in New Mexico it's right almost right down the street from Arizona are you gonna have a lot of fan support and stuff there for you yeah I think so man uh, you know it's about a six hour drive from either Tucson or Phoenix uh, you know I got uh, people in both and then um, I got some people hopefully from like the Indiana coming out and uh you know, some people that have been wanting to watch a UFC fight, uh, you know, with me in it type of thing for a long time. Uh, the Borg one was obviously a little hard to do with five days yeah, notice. Last minute. <laughs> yeah, and then Anaheim was pretty crazy. Uh, those tickets sold out, like, immediately. Yeah, Nick Diaz being on that card, plus it being the... Yeah, yeah. and I was kind of I was booked kind of late for that one, too. Not, like, super late, but I was probably one of the later fights. So this uh, is probably the best opportunity for them to get ready. Right, exactly. So I should have a good little after uh, the holidays. Sport. Yep, after the holidays, after you know some tax returns and stuff, exactly. everybody's ready to rock. Well, maybe not tax returns yet, but you know it's coming Hopefully. up. <laughs> Hopefully, Hopefully, everybody's getting tax, tax returns. returns. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, uh, your team actually travels very well. I ran into you uh, in Los Angeles uh, when your teammate was fighting. Uh, how often do you guys go out to events like that? Uh, man, you know, we're, we're all, we all support each other uh, any way we can. You know, if it, it can be done, um, it will be. And, you know, that's, that's what I like to do if I'm not fighting, I'm not training, you know, uh, whether – I got a teammate fighting or not, you know, I like to go to fights and watch. I'm a fight fan myself and uh you know, uh it's always a good time, especially when you uh when you know somebody that's fighting. No, for sure. David about to go for that million dollars here in a couple of days. Super excited about that. Yeah, man, uh that's that's gonna be a good one. Uh the million dollar dog. Uh he's he's coming in hot. I, I, I got uh, high hopes for this one, man. You know, Ray Cooper's tough, but I think he's He's a more complete mixed martial artist, you know. So uh, we'll see how that one goes. No, definitely. So uh, what have you what have you been up to in your spare time here recently? Since uh, it's been a while since you signed a fight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I'm always training, man. Um, you know, I took a little time, went and saw some family on the East Coast type of thing. Um, I actually I moved to Phoenix, uh, so I. I'd been just commuting up to Phoenix, kind of staying with, uh, you know, like uh, some friends, Dracar and Courtney, uh, a couple other people when I could type of thing. Um, but now I, I rent a house up here in Phoenix, and then I go back to Tucson as well, but my parents live in Tucson, so I got the, you know, the best of both worlds. I go down and train with Carriasso and the guys at Rise and my strength coach down there, Nick Hulk, and then I come up here and, uh, you know, train with the guys at the lab and I got a good little system uh, I feel like I got going on here it's like five nights up here in Phoenix and then two nights down in Tucson and uh it's perfect man um so just kind of been settling into that uh you know the holidays all that good stuff um but really just training waiting for the next fight because I mean I've been asking for a fight since the day after I fought Manny um you know, so I've been staying ready. Uh, I really tried to stay ready for December 14th. Um, you know, any of those guys, Aldo, Peter Yan, Faber. Uh, yeah, Mariah, you never know. You never know. If any of those guys fell out, I was going to be barking, you know, let me in, let me in, I'm ready. So, Which, really okay, so ideally, if you could have handpicked one of those four guys, who would it be? I John like Shelby said, here's the four names, there they are. Casey, you tell me who you want. On that day, I mean, I wanted Faber. I wanted Faber. What what Peter Yan did to Uriah Faber is exactly how I envisioned my fight with him. You know, yeah. the those stuff in the clinch, that left high kick, like everything that uh, happened in that fight. You know, I kind of I saw for myself. So Faber was the one, but I may have been picking on the old guy too. Uh, but uh, man, you know, I would fight any of them. But I think like uh, Faber is such a legend. It's it would be such a, a it would be such a privilege to share the octagon with him. I would think. Yeah, I mean he's he's pretty much like I mean Aldo is too, but Faber really made a, a big name for the little guys exactly. you know, on his way up. So you got to respect that, and you know, it, you know I, I'd want to fight him uh, out of all due respect. So we're roughly about forty-five days out. Uh, how you feeling? How you getting ready to? Are you already in camp, right? Yeah, I'm in camp. Uh, like I said, I'm always training, man. Actually, I got such a notice on this one that I I took like a week off. Oh <laughs> shit! I went to I went to Russia. I went to Russia with a friend. Oh no shit! How was Russia? Uh, it was cool, man. Um, the fight didn't end up going through. My my buddy missed weight, 
and uh, the guy didn't take the fight. So uh, the fight never happened, but I went to St. Petersburg, Russia, and it was uh, it was a cool experience, man. It was a really cool experience. Have you ever been out to Russia before? No, that was my first time overseas. Uh, besides, like, well, I went to the Dominican Republic in like eighth grade, but that doesn't really count, you know. <laughs> yeah. Overseas, overseas, uh, you know, Asia, Europe type of thing. Um, so that was that was a cool experience. Uh, I just did that. Um, basically, the weekend that that all went down, uh, the fourteenth, he fought the he he had to fight the fourteenth. Yep. So that whole week I was in Russia. So you guys watched the fights in Russia? We actually watched the fights on the plane back, plane ride back. We got the Wi-Fi on the plane and we uh, were streaming them online. Don't you love technology? Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. So uh, that's how I watched the, those fights. But um, it was funny. I was told my I was telling my friend I was like, you know, he called me up because his normal coach couldn't go because of the event in Vegas. Yeah. So I was going, but I was like, hey, dude, if anything happens with uh, <laughs> any of those four guys, I may have to bail. But, uh, just a heads up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, training, going to fights, you know, living life, enjoying life. That's pretty much it, man. Um, How's weight? Have you started talking good. about that yet? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm really good Kinda on always. weight. Man, you know? Yeah. Now that Bantam weight, you know, I walk right above 150 and I, I just sit there pretty much until it's time to come down. You know, I try to stay as big and healthy as possible. Yeah. Um, with the you know the workload of camp and stuff, I, I normally uh, you know I'll come down a few pounds, but um, you know the UFC's got the trifecta meal systems, you know sending us stuff, got our supplements on point. So uh, I've been sitting you know still above a little above you know 150 or so, which uh, is a uh, you know it's not a bad weight cut at all. What's um, your normal diet like? Uh, I would Do you say. you try to follow anything or just like eat whatever? Um. Sometimes it's, it's it's like, you know, I just eat whatever. But now that I'm in camp, you know, uh, like I said, I'm pretty much eating like mostly trifecta stuff, uh, which is, you know, your protein, veggies, carbs type of thing. Yeah, they're really good at having the exact portions for you guys. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't even have to think about it. I just, they got them. <laughs> yeah, individual meals and then some stuff's, um, you know, in bulk, bulk steak and like they send bison and chicken and stuff like that. That's good. Um, but um, other than that, uh, you know, I now eat, like, the UFC pretty, takes care of all that, correct? Yeah. So uh, Justin, when you when you get into fight camp Perfect. for the meal, well, I mean, hey, it, it helps. It's something. Yeah. No, it's that's great, man. Um, you know, like out of fight camp, I probably wouldn't be eating that <laughs> stuff anyway. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I, I like to go out and enjoy food, and but uh, no, it's perfect for camp, man. So. Uh, it's been keeping me heavier in, in camp, and you know I've been working on trying to get just a little bit bigger. Um, but it I mean, plus, anyways, you know it's all USADA tested, certified. You're all good. All the supplements they give you, it's, everything's 100. percent And if it isn't, that's on you guys. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. So uh, you know, uh, life's good uh, with the food and the supplements. You know, UFC's taking care of us. Um, so I can't complain there at all, man. But um, and I'll still go out and enjoy some, you know. We got some good Mexican food around here in Arizona. Sure, and, uh, you know. Uh, what are your, What are your, some of your go-to things? Like if, if it was a perfect night out, you could get whatever you want to eat. What is Casey Kenny going to sit down and enjoy? 
Oh, man, I'd go find some real Mexican tacos. There we go. Yeah, some Mexican tacos. Uh, I had some uh, some tacos, like, probably, I don't know, a month or two ago. It's uh, I think it's called Tripas. It's like this. Oh, intestine. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... I guess uh, they're they're normally you not try uh, like the kibasa, which is the uh-huh. head. I probably yeah. just butchered the name. Sorry, guys. And then uh, lengua, tongue. Uh-huh. That's tongue. that is really good too. So, uh, we went to a place like that, and I had like all all of them. Hell yeah! And, that's uh, the way to I guess it. this is uh, one of the spots in Phoenix, so uh, we'll uh, I have to go back there. But that that you can't beat that man after no, especially sure. night out. No, definitely. Well, brother, uh, I don't want to keep you too much longer on your Sunday afternoon. Before I let you go, though, I want to give you a quick opportunity to give a shout-out to your sponsors, teammates, loved ones, anyone that's really helped you along in your MMA journey. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, always appreciate talking to you. Uh, love to come back anytime. But, uh, you know, just want to thank everybody at, uh, you know, the MMA Lab and Rise Combat Sports, John Crouch, Chris Carriasso. You know, I couldn't do it without all you guys. Uh, my strength coach, Nick Hulk. Um, management team, uh, Jason House and uh, Radium Sports Agency, you know, uh, some sponsors like Miss Mary Jane uh, CBD, Miss Mary Jane California, go check them out, great uh, CBD products, uh, you know, CBD's uh, the, the thing, the thing now, the top, uh, the top thing out there, so. Uh, yeah, it definitely helps, I, I know a lot of fighters use it for recovery basis, and you see a lot of differences in there you know the way they're able to recover yeah it's it's amazing man uh you know i take it i take a cbd kind of like i would uh like a tylenol or ibuprofen or something like that yeah. that's kind of i use it um every, you know every now and then uh and i'll take it for other things but uh you know i'm not I'm not popping ibuprofen all the time for you know sore shins ankles and that that type of stuff no 100 percent. where can the fans find you on social media uh, they can follow me at CKMMA135 on Instagram and Twitter, and then uh, Casey Kenny on Facebook. All right, guys. So, again, he is fighting uh, UFC on ESPN Plus 25. That is the uh, Corey Anderson versus Jan Blakovich card, their second fight. Well, uh, how do you feel about Fight Week interviews? I believe we did one last time. Let's do one again this next time coming up. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, always down for the Fight Week interviews. So, uh We'll, we'll talk then and uh, see what's going on. But, um, you know, ready to uh, put on a show again. Perfect, brother. We can't wait to see you in February, man. Uh, we'll talk to you then and have a good day. Hey, you as well. All right, man. This is Mike Rodriguez. You listen to Native MMA Radio. Bam! Guys, this has been a great episode 52. I'd like to thank our guest, Robbie Bellamere. As always, I appreciate whenever a fighter reaches out to me to just talk some MMA. Casey Kenny, can't thank him enough. Obviously, just him. I, when I ran into him at Bellator, it was one of those things where like we both caught each other's eyes and we're like, hey, we know each other. <laughs> we went and started talking to each other, and he introduced me to Jakar Close. I, uh, and then I seen Jakar Close the very next week. So it's all about just making contacts with these fighters and growing those contacts. Obviously, it's, it's how we meet a lot of these fighters and get to interview them and just have these relationships with these people. It's just continue the relationship that you have once you have an open line of communication. And I think it's super important. And it's something that I feel like I've done pretty well this far. It's been a year over a year since we've been doing this podcast. Waleed has been on this show for, I think it's about eight months. I counted it the other day when his oh. first time he came on the show. 
I, but no, no, like, no, I think it was like nine months. I'm gonna double check it now. But super it's like a pregnancy. Excited. Exactly, man. We had our first baby finally. But uh, uh, I'm super excited to be bringing in this new year with Waleed and this new decade. Can't wait for the future of native MMA radio and possibly just native MMA in general. Maybe we're most likely going to jump into a website here soon and just do our own goddamn thing. But uh, we'll talk more about that. I know Waleed has something that's burning deep down his throat that he's got to get off his chest. So, Wally, while the floor is yours, tell me what has been on your mind. Listen, in the history of MMA, we had some fighters that, you know, got promoted way more than others. We had the the Kimball Slice, may he rest in in peace, you know, at some point. People would say Conor McGregor, but those kind of fighters, you know, some of them delivered, some of CM Punk, you know, yeah. But there's one fighter in Bellator right now because he signed the deal with 50 Cent and they are trying to push him so hard. They want us to believe that he is the new John Jones. And we saw him against against Lima. We saw him against Lima getting destroyed. And yet they are still promoting him like he's, you know, the GOAT. Michael Vino Page, like, personally, I have nothing against him. But I have a problem with the way Bellator is promoting him giving him easy fights one after another and uh, just say trash cans they're giving him yeah trash, trash cans no tomato listen, cans everything listen, listen when ev- I hit every up Scott Coker for an interview he asked me if I wanted to fight MVP yeah of course and uh, listen on Instagram every time I comment you know the the emoji of tomato cans because he's fighting tomato cans he's not fighting real fighters those guys I don't even know where they they're bringing them uh, maybe they are MMA fighters. I'm not talking trash about them, but they are not on those in this level. This guy. You see should... what happens when MVP goes against real competition in this welterweight Bellator Grand Prix. He lost yeah. to Lima, and he had a very close decision victory over. Um, God, why am I fucking? The, uh, Paul, Paul Daly. Yes, Paul Daly. So. To sit here and say that MVP is like this next up-and-coming Anderson Silver, John Jones figure is asinine. Especially when you look at Bellator and you think when it comes to being that type of style, he's not even the MVP of that. AJ McKee is the MVP that Bellator really needs and has. And I think really they need to start putting more focus on this young kid, AJ McKee, than anything. I really think if you want to compare someone to John Jones or an Anderson Silva, and really somebody who can project this Bellator roster into the forefront, it's AJ McKee. There are so many great fighters in Bellator. I just believe that they are putting all on the line on in the in the wrong fighter. You know, they are trying to promote him like, and it's not the it's not the way. The guy got you know take down by Paul Daly. He when he felt he went when he went to the ground with the Lima. All he did for. Almost a minute just holding Lima's hand so he don't get punched. Listen, they said that he's the complete package. He's not. He has some good striking, but and that's it. He's not. Let, let me put it to you this way. If I went into an MMA gym right now and I fought a blue belt, they would look like MVP against me. Okay? Yeah. But that's literally the type of competition that they're putting in front of MVP and telling us to be like, oh, this guy's great. But he's fighting a bunch of people we've never yeah. fucking heard of. 
we've heard of two people he's really fought. Like the mass amount, like it, it, we talk about fights weekly. Waleed and I yeah. fucking daily. But you sit here and look at some of these names and you're like, who the fuck is this guy fighting this? Who? Why? There's nobody in that division you can see him fight? Ed Ruth? You know, John People, Finch? You can't, Cyborg, you can't, Cyborg you can't was like a... Against anybody? Yeah. When you fought Cyborg, Cyborg was like a 55 I honestly think, I feel like that's the reason why he's getting so much credit, is that Cyborg fight. Once he hit that fucking knee that implanted Cyborg's face, I really think that that's the reason why he's getting all the hype now. And you know, and you, you know what I hated the most, uh, other than the fight, what? the entrance. Yes. We already had Adesanya that dance. Yes. We don't need another. You know, Adesanya, well, Adesanya did Adesanya it. Is fucking did it in a championship fight, and then he won. Yeah, uh, yeah, and he did it, and he is the one, the first one who did it. If you do it after that, like in couple, just months ago, like weeks ago, after that. It's kind of shitty, you know. You look like a buffoon. You, they people would say, "Yeah, yeah, you're just copying," and that's what I said. You're just copying. Exactly, and that's what it is. You're just copying. They don't need that. The, the thing is, Bellator don't need that. No. that's what I want. No, that's, they need to get away from trying to copy everybody. Yeah, but they then don't Illumilay need that. Does her whole thing, and I think that's awesome. Yeah, I think Illumilay McFarland's whole getup is fucking sweet. I think what she does out there is good. Uh, Cass Bell also went out there and yeah. won the last Friday at Bellator. Another great fight. Had a spinning uh, elbow from hell. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. to him probably in the next couple weeks about very that. Talented. Very I talented. Really, young man. Yeah, very, very, very talented. And uh, did you watch the Rampage against Fedor fight? Oh, my bro. Well, I'm going to take off my shirt right now. I look better than Rampage. Man, man it, was, uh, it was weird watching uh, Rampage looking like that. It was kind of Okay, weird. so... At, I've been to a lot of these events, and I've seen a lot of fucking fighters. And we're talking about legends. Like I, I've seen yeah. Mike Tyson, I've seen uh, you know big up and coming fighters now, Francis Ngannou, guys like that. Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz. I, I stopped. I said hi to everybody. I talked to TJ Dillashaw like it was no fucking problem. I seen Rampage, who was like one of my favorite fighters of all time, and I sat there like a fucking bitch and said nothing. Like, I was so starstruck. I was like, oh, my God, bro, do you know who you are? That's what I said in my head. I didn't say it out loud, but it was the one opportunity where I was like, why the fuck did I just do that? Why didn't I say anything? And I was like, damn it. But, when you see him giving a slap, you know, to the fans when they talk to, to, talk to him, because he's great with the yeah, fans, you know? awesome. But other than uh, Chuck Liddell in the last fight when he looks like unhealthy, really, like Rampage really looks like he's a big change. Like he there's Vitor to make two sixty five. There's Chuck, there's Vitor, and now there's Rampage. Like the before after pictures. It's huge, a huge difference. Yeah, it's wild. But uh, you got anything else for episode fifty two, there, sir? Uh, just one final thought. I saw Alberto Del Rio talking live, saying that, yeah, he had some game plan. It didn't work out. Man, you can have all the game plan you want. You could have even a baseball bat with you in the cage. <laughs> he couldn't win against Tito Orsis. So stop this shit. Yeah, I don't want to hear your excuses. All right, Alberto, you had yeah. no fucking reason in being there yeah. in the cage with a former UFC champion. No reason being in that fight. Uh, it was a big money grab, big payday, whatever the fuck you want to do. He, he got the best finish possible, to be fair. Yeah. He got chucked out, you know, he tapped, and that's it, you know. Could have been worse. Could have got knocked the fuck out. 
you could torture him, you know, just punching him in the body and stuff. For sure. Yeah, Tito Ortiz is a nice guy. People say he's not a guy. He's a nice guy. He could have t- tortured the Alberto de Rio, but he did not. Oh, well, that's it. That anything else? That's all the, the bitching. Decade. That's all the bitching I have to I have to say. Excellent, man. I can't wait for this next decade. I can't wait to see what's in store for the UFC, PFL, Bellator. Hell, by next decade, we might not have a, one of these promotions. You never know. They might merge. Yeah. PFL and the, the Bellator might be one. Who knows? One championship was hot at some point. <laughs> right now, one is not very hot like it was at some point. So who knows? No, for sure. It's an interesting yeah. time in MMA world. I can't wait. Thank you for being a part of it with me. Thank you guys for being on this journey with us. And uh, we're just going to keep this train rolling. Episode 52, we are out. We will see you guys next year. Peace.